welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by TheTroveSportsDen.com. Come and hang out and chat with baseball pros. And sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to TTM Caster Sports Collectibles Podcast, where we talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and we even have some bad football picks as well. Welcome to our show. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host for the program. It is season three, episode 41. I can't believe it is already in mid-October. Uh, it's Sunday, October 16th. We're actually recording this on Saturday morning of the 15th. So forgive us if we miss a few things, but I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, Mr. Drew Pelto. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for uh, getting me on here once again. Awesome. Hey guys, you're listening to the nationally ranked sports podcast. We really appreciate it. If you're new to the show, welcome. We have all sorts of fun stuff to talk about with you today. If you're a regular, again, we thank you. We appreciate your listening. Our listenership keeps going up. Uh, we have to keep Drew hanging around because he keeps driving our li- listenership up. So we, we thank you for that, Drew. Uh, we have a, a fun show set up for you this week but first Drew why don't you let people know where they can find you on YouTube you can always find me at Drew's Autographs on YouTube just go to youtube.com slash Drew Pelto you also get links straight to there and to everywhere else I'm at through my website at dfwgrapher.com guys if you have any questions comments or feedback you can send it to our uh, text line which is 978-729-066662 or you can email us. What's the email address, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. There you go. I think we're just going to record that for you, Drew. And every time <laughs> I, I need the, the, the email address, I'll just hit a little button. There you go. So, just have a have a little board there with uh, sound drops or something. Yeah, we're not, I'm not that high tech yet. So we, we <laughs> as I said, we have a fun show for you guys this week. Uh, I had the pl- privilege of speaking with Mike McCoy, uh, who was the number two um, pick in the NFL draft by the Green Bay Packers in, uh, in 1970. He was a star at Notre Dame. He uh, played seven years with the Packers and he played two years with the Oakland Raiders. And he had this guy that was coach was name was John Madden. You might have heard of him. We talked a little about Mr. Madden. He also played for uh, after that, he played for the New York Giants and he had a couple coaches there. Guy named Bill Parcells was his, was one of his coaches, and another guy, Bill Belichick, I think his name is. He was one of his coaches. So we talk we talk about his time in in, uh, in the NFL. We talk about uh, collecting and dealing with collecting. Mike also has a ministry uh, that he's been um, in charge of or, or running for a while, uh, helping out kids. So uh, it's a real fun interview, and Mike was very forthcoming, and uh, he 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 was a great TTMer. So. Uh, stick around for our, my, my, my talk with Mr. Mike McCoy uh, from the Green, former Green Bay Packers. Next week, next Sunday, October 24th, uh, I, I spoke to this gentleman the other day, and we're going to run, run the interview next week. His name is Brian Pirip. It's P-I-R-R-I-P. Follow him on Instagram and on, um, on uh, TikTok. It's Brian Pirip, B-R-I-A-N-P-I-R-R-I-P. And he is a collector, but he's going on a uh, baseball card adventure. 
So we talked to Brian about collecting, about um, his baseball card adventure, and he's a really interesting guy, and he has great content. So follow Brian on Instagram and on TikTok, and we will talk to Brian next week. That'll be next Sunday, the 24th. So all you regulars know, but for the, for the new guys, we have our, our regular segments coming up. We have our Baker's Dozen, which is a new segment of what's been going on in the hobby. We have Making the Grade, which is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. We have the TTM cast stamp of approval, which is uh, uh, something that we, Drew and I uh, give our stamp of approval on something that we like in the world of uh, collecting or, or uh, food or movies or just kind of a catch-all. We, we kind of talk about things that we're into. We have the Vern Rat Minute, which we review uh, the people that had passed away the, in the previous week. And we also uh, review our weekly returns. So we have all sorts of stuff. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest, if you want to make a comment, if you want to tell Drew how awesome he is, just send it to our text line. It is 978-729-0662, or you can email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Once again, text line is 978-729-0662, and email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. So next up is our first segment, which is Baker's Dozen. <laughs> Baker's Dozen is a summary of uh, a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby and in the world of sports. And Drew, I'm going to give it a big yawn because I was up late last night watching my Boston Red Sox fold like a house of cards. Mm -hmm. uh, our Achilles heel is um, relief pitching. And we, uh, you know, when, when your starter goes two and a third innings and then you have to dive into these guys who are just, they're not good. Our relief pitching is not good. And I think the Astros relief pitching is very good. Um, so we, we lost last night, which would have been on uh, Friday night. So um, if you guys are listening to this at, after uh, Saturday, which you probably are, we, you know, we're, we're down one nothing. And I always get, I always get, uh, I always get down after we lose the game. Um, but, you know, we're, we're down to the final four, Drew. So I figured we do what we do worst is make a little some predictions. And we've got the Red Sox and Astros uh, as, as the first series. What, what are your thoughts on that series? Um, I really can't argue against you there. Yeah, the Astros have a great bullpen. And this time of year, that is what gets you out of trouble more than anything. I mean, the Indians were able to ride an awesome bullpen to an AL pennant in uh, 2016. And that seems to be the way the game is going right now. So I definitely have to give an edge to the Astros in that one. Yeah, I agree. I think the Astros are going to win in six. I, I think in the short series, um, Core did, did a great job in, in using Ivaldi and Pavetta and Rodriguez out of the bullpen, but you can't do that in a seven-game series. So, you know, he can do it maybe for one or two games near the end, but the first four or five games, he's going to have to stick with some of those rag arms that they have in the in their bullpen. So I think Astros in six. Now we have the Dodgers who who snuck in against the Giants with that check swing call. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave that as is. The Dodgers are playing the Braves. The Dodgers, I think they won like 106 games or something. They're, yeah. they're a stacked team. And uh, the Braves, honestly, I'm not a National League guy, so I haven't really seen much of the the, the Braves. I've, I've seen a ton of the Dodgers because I love the Dodgers. Um, so I'm going to have to go to the Dodgers in, in this series. And I think the Dodgers – I think it's going to be a quick series. I think it's going to be five games, five or six games. I don't know if the Braves, uh, again, I'm not, I, I, you know, I know the Braves are, are solid, but I don't know if they have enough to, 
to stick with the Dodgers. What's your thoughts? I've got a friend who's a big Braves fan. So sorry, Rashad, but I got to go with the Dodgers in this one. I mean, like you said, I mean, for God's sake, I mean, they just got Max Scherzer to add to a team that already won it all last year. That is a huge pickup right there. And I mean, they returned so much of what they had last year. And can you think, I mean, if Trevor Bauer wasn't such an ass, how much more stack they would even be right now. I mean, it's just crazy how much, what they've been able to put together out there. I mean, I'm not a fan of big market teams. I have, I'm sure I've said before on here, my dislike for anything, LA, Chicago, New York, and Boston when it comes to baseball, but I, there is not a whole lot to hate about the Dodgers. So I I've got to go with them. Yeah. I mean, and they've been, they've been kind of sneaking in there without their lineup doing much. Trey Turner hasn't done much and uh, Mookie hasn't really had a great series and Bellinger, you know, he, he just started hitting, he had a horrible year. So I, I agree. I think Scherzer, Scherzer and, um, and Walker Bueller are, are the difference in, in that series. And, and Kelsey Jansen has been pitching a lot better out of the bullpen. Yeah. So um, I don't, you know, I, I think the Dodgers are honestly going to win it all. The, the Astros are uh, a very good team, but I don't think they have enough starting pitching, and especially with McCullough's hurt. But it'll be interesting. We're down to the final four. I love, we love, uh, baseball and we love making bad predictions so the way the way it is now we i'm sure the red sox will play the braves the way, the exactly. way you like <laughs> <laughs> well mon, uh, on monday columbus day i, I went to a, a local card show here um we had don marcott was there who was a, a friend of the show we actually had him on the, the show a while ago and, and uh, him and i spoke for a little while and, and I, I introduced myself face to face uh, for the second time, and he he was a gentleman. It was nice to see him. I, I didn't uh, I didn't get any autographs from him because I've got a bunch of him, and he's a very good TTMer. So I, I didn't uh, get anything signed by him. But I I saw um, Satch Sanders, who was a a Celtic great. He's a Hall of Famer. He coached the Celtics. I think he has um something like eight NBA championships under his uh, under his belt and. Um, he, you know, he's, he's truly a legend. Um, well, a funny, funny story. I was, se- I was second in line. And so the first guy, uh, the first kid that, that went up and got a, got a couple autographs, he was getting a couple balls signed by, for, by Sanders. He was going to give one to a friend of his and one, one for him. And then I was in my scooter and Satch literally got up from behind the table. He had him his mask on, came over and just started talking to me about my scooter. Because wow. he was looking, he was looking for a scooter for him and his wife. <laughs> so we talked about my scooter for about ten minutes. He and he he, he uh, took a picture with me, which was which was very nice. And he was he's a, he's a he's really a gentleman. He's you know he's an older guy, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, he lives in in a, in a uh, retirement community here in Massachusetts. And um, we were talking a while, so it was not, it was nice. It wasn't just like some of the you know when some of these shows and it's just an assembly line. You go, you get your autograph. The guy might look up, he might not, he might say hello, but that's about it. So I, I had a nice little time with that Sanders. At the end of it, I did give him um, my uh, card and I told him about the show. And, uh, you know, I, he, he said he was going to call us. So we'll, we'll see if, if he calls to be on the show, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath because I've done done this before, but he was very good. But anyway, he signed a, his rookie card for me, 1969 uh, Tops card for me. And he also signed uh, my bas- my Celtic basketball. So I had a great time at the show. Um, I didn't spend a lot of money. I picked up 24 uh, Celtics cards, primarily from the, the early 90s. 
for two dollars. I they were they were they were ten cents a piece. The guy gave me them for, for two bucks. So you, you you know you and I love the, those those uh, ten cent bins. So oh yeah, yeah. I can spend <laughs> hours going through some of those. I I I was there with my wife and I didn't want to spend. Uh, you know I, I I went through the whole show. There were probably eighty five tables. It was a good show. Um, I probably could have could have spent more time, but I you know I went through it pretty quickly. Um, and I, it was, it was, it was nice to go to a show and I know we have, I have the show coming up at the Shriners in a couple of weeks. So I didn't really, I wasn't too keen on, on spending a ton of money anyway. I really wanted to go and get Sanders autograph, but it was nice, uh, nice to go to a, a smaller show for a change. And, uh, hopefully we, we Satch Sanders called us. So if you know Satch Sanders say, Hey, call, call Jeff from TTM cast because we'd love to hear from, from you. So that, that's my uh, review of the show. A couple other things happening in the hobby. Um, we had uh, JP Cohen from Memory Lane, Inc., uh, their auction company, on the show a couple weeks ago, and they just finished up their fall auction. And they had over $10 million in sales on, the, on their auction, which is incredible. They've had uh, two great auctions in a row now. They had one with, for $20 million, that was $20 million over the summer, and then this one for $10 million. They are... Um, they're a, a great company and they, they have great stuff. So if you, you know, if you see a memory lane auction uh, come up, check out their stuff because they have real nice high quality stuff as, and, and they have a lot of, a lot of stuff. I think they had set over 1700 items in their auction. And uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to even bid on some of the stuff. Drew, are you an auction guy? Do you like, do you like going doing auctions? I actually have never done like a legitimate auction at all before. I mean, I've been to like a couple, you know, small ones for like churches and stuff and online auction stuff, but yeah, never really any big ones like that at all. I haven't really checked any of those out. Yeah, I, I haven't either. It, I, you know, they usually they're out of my price range in terms of bidding, but I always check out to see what's out there just because I love the, love the stuff, but it's cool. So JP, uh, congratulations on $10 million sales on, in your fall auction and we'll keep you guys to, up to date uh, if when they when they have their next auction. Well, uh, lastly, this was this was a, a, a golden uh, auction. Um, a one of twenty three Michael Jordan game used relic card. It was from the 1997-1998 upper deck card. It was uh, signed and it was a, a uniform. I think it was a North Carolina uniform, if I do do remember, because it was pretty. It was early in his career, and I know upper deck had has an exclusivity with Michael Jordan for a while. I think this is kind of when it started, but anyway, they, they auctioned off one of his, uh, the one of 23 cars. It was number six of the, uh, of the 23 and it realized $2.7 million in a, in a recent auction. It was a Beckett eight. So, you know, when someone says you have a be uh, a seven or eight and it's not going to be worth anything, <laughs> check again, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, I know, I know people say there's a, there's a downturn um, in the hobbies in terms of getting realized of, of prices and stuff, but you know, another record, $2.7 million for a, uh, a, a game used relic autograph card, which the, the autograph was, was graded as an eight and the card was graded as an eight. So um, it's pretty good. And, you know, Ken Golden and his team, they, they always have great stuff as well. Well, that that kind of that, that kind of wraps up the news for, for, for the hobby this week, and we're gonna we're gonna do our our our, uh, our, our least favorite segment. We're gonna do pick, picking the games. Troy and I are gonna pick the, the NFL games each week. 
Uh, we, we only pick five games because we don't want to bore everyone with a, a 20 bad picks or 16 bad picks. <laughs> Drew won last week. He went uh, three, one, and one. Uh, he, we, we both won the Dallas Cowboy game. We both lost the Patriots game. Drew took Atlanta. He won that one. I, I took the Jets just to be contrary. I, I actually liked Atlanta on that one, but I'm not going to, I won't, I won't uh, cry, cry over that one. No, no sorrow milk over that one. And then we had the Browns and Chargers. We both had the Chargers. And then the Colts and Ravens was a tie. It was a seven-point spread, and it was a seven-point game. It looked like the Colts were going to roll on that one, and then the Ravens came back. So that's week five. Week six, here's our pick. Here's the games, Drew. Why don't you take the first one? We have um, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have not been playing well lately, at the Washington football team. And Washington is getting six-and-a-half points. Who do you like in that one? I'd like to think that Kansas City stops their slide here. So I'm going to go with Kansas City, despite the fact that this is in Washington. I think they can overcome six and a half there against uh, against the uh, nameless wonders there. So, yeah, I got to take Kansas City. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't think Washington has enough offense. To, to, so I think that I think it's just gonna, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored by Kansas City. Next, we have the L.A. Chargers, who have been playing fabulous, at the uh, Ravens, who came back on uh, Monday night. The Ravens are um, giving two and a half points, which was a little strange. Um, sometimes you look at these lines and you're like, really? The Ravens are, are not uh, our favorite over the Chargers? Um, I'm going to take the Chargers. I, I know it's they're going uh, – East, which sometimes can be difficult, but I think the Chargers are a good team. And that is exactly why I'm going to take the Ravens. I think uh, that, I mean, travel from going west to east there definitely affects things. And I think the Ravens can definitely overcome three points playing at home against the West Coast team. So I'm going to get, I got to go with them. Okay. Next, my, your Cowboys. I know you're not the Cowboy fan, but they are your backyard team. So your hometown team are playing against my Patriots. The Patriots are getting three points, which has, a, um, you know, the home team always usually is worth three points. So it's basically a push game, right? Cowboys, mm-hmm. Cowboys at the Patriots. Um, Drew, why don't you take this one? I'm going to have to take the Cowboys here. I mean, Patriots seem to do really well in home at late afternoon games, but the Cowboys have just played so well this year that I it's tough to pick against them. And three points is really not that much to have to overcome. I agree. Yeah. I think the Patriots secondary is going to get torched. I think uh, with, with Elliott is going to, is going to run all over the, the Patriots. They can't stop the run. And the, the, I think it's going to be a blowout. I really do. I think the, the Patriots, this is not a good Patriots team. Um, you know, they just, they, they almost laid an egg against a horrible Titans team last week. And I think Dallas will prevail as well. All right, we have uh, uh, the Cardinals, the 5-0 and Cardinals. I think they're the only undefeated team are at your Cleveland Browns. The Browns are favored by three and a half points. So the Browns are, are giving three and a half points to the Cardinals. Another West Coast team going east, right? Yeah. Um, the Browns have looked good. The Browns have looked good, but I'm, I think I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think, I, I think they're, they're real. I think they're for real. The Browns have been inconsistent this year. And that's the biggest problem that I have there, but they're about to be without two of their coaches and uh, linebacker Chandler Jones, all three are on the COVID list for this week. So uh, 
before that news, I would have agreed with you in taking the Cardinals. I'm going to have to take the Browns in this one now. I think that's just enough to potentially throw things over to the Browns side. Okay. In our last game, Monday night, it should be a good one, actually. The uh, Buffalo Bills, who are, are, are a pretty good team, are playing at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are getting five and a half points. Um, and, you know, Tennessee played a, a great game last week. They had, they had a, a big win last week. And, you know, they're, I think they're, they're improving. I like Mike Brabel as a coach. Um, and I think it's going to be a close game. So I'm going to take the Titans with the points. I'll go the opposite on this one. I've, I think, uh, I mean, the Bills have just looked too good here to me for the last couple of weeks there. I have to go with them. I think they can overcome five and a half. Okay. All right, boys. We're all, we're, we're done. That, that, those are our picks for the week. We have, let's, we got one, two, only two of the same this week, yep, Drew. Yep. So, so maybe some, maybe somebody will go five and a one. I think, I think what we should do, Drew, right? If mm-hmm. we if we we either of us go five and zero in this thing, we end this we end this segment. Because we all we right, I think get, that's good. I mean, we can't get much better than that. We I can't think, get any so, better. Yeah. So we're gonna keep this going until one of us goes five and zero. All right. Or the the masses uh, speak out on on our text line at nine seven eight seven two nine zero six six two. Or email us at ttmcast at yahoo dot com and say should, no. Should I we go the opposite? Should we go the opposite too? And if any of us go zero and five, we'll end it as well. <laughs> No, because that's possible. All in five is very <laughs> <That's> possible. <true. laughs> but I, you know, if you guys are making money going against my picks, you know, then then I, then I'll you know I'll certainly keep going for you guys. But uh, if we of us go five and zero, we, we'll 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 end the misery and we'll pick up some something else to be really bad at. So that that wraps up Baker's dozen for the week. Best of luck. Hopefully, you guys make money. Enjoy week. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the Patriots-Cowboys game um, this week. Next up is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. Making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. It's always been a quiet week in terms of the grading community. I think, uh, you know, PSA and HGA and uh, CSG and our friends at DSG, they're all kind of catching up. I think they're all catching their breath. It seems like they're all all like, okay, we don't need any more... um, storms anymore anymore bad things to happen let's lay low get get caught up they, they seem all to be kind of getting caught up with what they're doing i just want to remind everyone of our friends at time and service grading they've been a, a great sponsor of ours um for for six or seven months now they're a great company out of california go to dsggrading.com it's diamond service grading um and if you Use uh, a five dollar coupon code, which I'm going to give you. You'll get five dollars off every card you send. Uh, so it's to get graded. The coupon code is four H M U G T Z G. Once again, it's four H M U G T Z G. You get five dollars off every card you get graded. Um, they're uh, they're still meeting their their uh, 30 day commitment in terms of grading. They've been uh, very busy. Uh, you know, talk, I talk to the guys at Diamond Service Grading all the time. They're um, 
very pleased with what's been, been how, how business has been. Um, some of our listeners have used diamond service grading and they've, they're braved about it. I think I was telling you guys last week that I got a, a text. Somebody had sent a, a card into diamond service grading and they got a, a 10, which is awesome. And they're very happy with that. So give diamond service grading, dsggrading.com a, a shot. They have all sorts of cool stuff. They have era labels. You can choose your label. You also have you can a QR code on the label that you can scan and view, view details of your grading. So check out Diamond Service Grading, dsggrading.com. That wraps up our Making the Grade. Next up, we're going to announce our, uh, a contest for the week. So last week, we drew, we gave away a... Uh, um, Antoine Walker signed photo and uh, we sent that off and I'm very, very happy. It was actually a guy in Massachusetts that won it. So I don't, you know, it's all, we just randomize and we don't know who's going to win. We have our listeners from Massachusetts won it. So I'm, hopefully it's a Celtic fan that got all sent, sent, on, sent off to the mail. This week, uh, you know, I have Mike McCoy, uh, former Green Bay Packer on, uh, I, I interviewed him and I had sent out a TTM request. I mean, that, that's how we got uh, acquainted. And Mike sent back uh, an extra card for me. It's a you know a custom uh, signed card. He signed it. It's not personalized. So I'm going to give that away to the, one of our lucky listeners. So if you want to get a autograph card from Mike McCoy, it's not a tops card. It's it's one, it's just like a custom card. It's a nice color card. Oh, let me see if I can find it, Drew. I'll hold it up for you. It's right here. You see that? Oh yeah, I've actually got one. It was a friend of mine uh, TTM'd him a couple times and gave him me one. So yeah, yeah. So it's a nice card. It's got a, it's got a bio on the back, and um, it's a nice color card. It's a number seventy six. It's autographed. Uh, you know, it's it's a nice a nice thing to add to your collection. And uh, whoever just send send my send me a uh, an entry. You can text it to me at nine seven eight seven two nine zero six six two or email me at TTMcast at yahoo.com and we'll give that away next week where I'm working on some new uh, TTM cast t-shirts. So that's, that's in the works. I'm going to be ordering those next week and we'll have some TTM, some more TTM cast, new TTM cast t-shirts to give away. Um, and I've got, I've got some other stuff to give away as well. So um, guys, if you want to, again, if you want to get a Mike McCoy signed card, uh, you can just text me at 978-729-0662 or email me at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Please keep in mind, this is not a tops card. It's just a custom card that he made. It's it's a nice four-color card of him as a, a Green Bay Packer showing seven numbers, his number 76, and uh, he, it is signed. So um, if you'd like to take get, get a chance to win that, just send, send me your entry today. And that wraps up Contest of the Week. Next up is our DTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. Well, stamp of approval is, is a, a fun segment that we, we came up with a while ago. And it lets people, lets us talk to you guys about things that we're into, things that were that are happening, things that we really enjoy in the world of sports, in the world of celebrity, in the world of entertainment, movies, food. Uh, sometimes it's collecting related. Drew, I'm going to let you do yours because yours is pretty exciting for you. Cool. All right. So, um, you know, a lot of my stamp approvals of the past have been about music. I'm a big uh, music fan and a musician as well. And uh, my band that I just joined this couple months ago or so, we finally have our first show finally booked. It's going to be uh, 
playing at the Psych Punks Fest up in Denton, Texas at Killer's Tacos. Great restaurant as well. So, I mean, have a couple tacos there if you come out to the show. Uh, we're going to have 14 bands on two stages there across uh, the night. I think the first band goes on at like 5 o'clock or so. It's going to be uh, next Friday. That's uh, Or this coming Friday, I guess, is the best way to put it there. It's on the uh, 22nd. Uh, my band's called Beethoven's Bastards. We uh, couldn't think of a good name. We were constantly kicking like 100 different ideas for names back and forth and finally came up with that. So uh, check us out on Facebook if you're on there. Uh, we had to spell bastards with a Z in the middle because uh, Facebook doesn't like the word at all. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, check us out on there. We just posted a video of one of our practices there. Um, we go on at 7.30 on Friday. And it's funny, we're actually going on right after a band that I used to be in, uh, Death Before Breakfast. They go on at like... I think it's like 6.45 to 7.15. They were on 7.30 to 8. So uh, kind of fun having those two back-to-back, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And if you're in the North Texas area, you know, come on down, check it out. I think it's like a $10 admission. But like I said, it gets you 14 bands across the whole night. Plus, there's really great food there. So go check that out. You got a good time slot? 7.30, yeah. perfect time slot? 7.30 is great. Yeah, because I mean, originally we were going to be on like about 5.30 or so. And then we're all like whoa, hey, uh, we, we, we've we got jobs, we work, and I'm having to go from Arlington to Denton, which is like an hour drive there. It's like, that's not happening. I mean, if I try to do that, my wife can't go to the show then either, which means that we're not going to have any video of it then. So uh, can we can we get a pushback? And yeah, they pushed us back, fortunately. Very cool. And you play drums, right? I'm on drums in this one. Yeah, I play. I mean, I play a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah, I'm doing all the drumming in this one. Very cool. And now, did you talk to the boys about doing an intro for for the show yet? I haven't yet, but I mean, we'll see what we can come up with for sure. Cause I think we could probably do uh do something for it. All right, cool. Good luck. I can't wait to see it. You're going to post the video on, uh, on um, YouTube. Yeah. It's probably going to go up anywhere that I possibly can. So it'll be on Facebook on our page there for sure. It'll be, uh, I'll probably put it on my YouTube channel there as well. Cause I know my, my most recent previous band that I will not name, I put a video of them up on there at uh, one point and stuff, but it's a very bad split from there. So it's like, yeah, screw you guys. I'm taking this down. But uh, these guys, hopefully <laughs> it'll go better. So we'll be able to have some video and keep it up there. All right. Looking forward to it. Maybe, maybe we'll, we can play a clip on next week's show. There we go. Uh, that'd be cool. Well, my stamp of approval is a book. Um, I want first, um, I was supposed to interview uh, the author, Mr. Tony Castro uh, on Monday, which is Columbus Day, but our, our lines got crossed and, and uh, because no fault of his, more, more, more of mine. We missed the interview and he was supposed to be on the show uh, this week, but we'll have him on a future show. But I just want to promote his book. It's called Maris and Mantle. And it's, it's all about um, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and um, their relationships, their relationship in terms of uh, running, you know, going for the uh, Babe Ruth record in 1961. But they also deal, he also deals with Roger Maris as a kid growing up and, and what for how he his relationship formed and how he became a man and, and a player. He also deals with Rick Mickey Mantle, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of um, new stuff in there about Mickey Mantle. He, Tony did a great job in terms of researching this book. He talked to hundreds of people that knew Mickey Mantle and knew Roger Maris, you know, coaches, um, siblings, uh, teammates, uh, you name it. So he he, he did a great job. It's a, it's a really uh, interesting book. It's a, I think I, I got the book on like a Monday and I was done with it by like Friday because I couldn't put it down. It, it's really, um, it's not just a, a baseball book, quote unquote. So, um, you know, check it out. It's called Maris and Mantle. 
uh, Tony Castro. It's available on uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube on Amazon, and and you go to TonyCastro.com if you want to get a autographed copy. I think it's only like twenty-eight dollars for an autographed hardcover copy of the book, which is which is a great um, number. And you know, if you want to get a Christmas gift for a Yankee fan or a baseball fan, it's a, it's a it's a nice gift. So check it out. It's called Marison Mantle. Tony Castro, C-A-S-T-R-O, TonyCastro.com, or you can get, just find the book on Amazon. I'm sure it's in Barnes & Noble. Tony's written, I think, eight or nine books, and he's written a couple. He wrote, he's written two books on Mantle that I know of. He wrote a, a book on Mantle and DiMaggio, and he also wrote a book on Mantle itself. So check it out. It's a great read. That is my TTM cast stamp of approval. And that wraps the uh, approval for the week. Next up is our burn rat minute. Burn rat minute is uh, a summary of who people who have passed in the week uh, in the world of sports and celebrity and entertainment. Uh, this is dedicated to Mr. Bernrat, who had passed prior to me sending out a uh, TTM request. And so we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers. Uh, so you don't embarrass by sending out a TTM request to people who are no longer with us. Uh, we lost um, just a couple of people this week. And thankfully, Drew, we haven't, you know, we've only been losing a couple people each week, which is nice. I hate when we have nine or 10 people on the list um, right. this week, this week, this, this one, um, you know, I know, you know, we're, co we're all collectors, right? So, um, you know, I know, I know my son, my son's big into Disney and I know a lot of people collect Disney autograph related autograph stuff. So I wanted to mention this and this woman was uh, a pioneer in, in animation. Her name was Ruthie Thompson. Uh, and Ruthie lived to the age of 111, 111, Drew, which is unfathomable, right? Yeah. So, wow. uh, God bless her. She uh, was a Disney animator. She started working at Disney when she was 18 years old. Um, she's, she was from Boston and she went out to uh, California to visit her, her relatives. And um, her, she met Walt Disney. There's her, her aunt lived right near Walt Disney's, well, Walt Disney lived or worked and she met Walt Disney and he offered her a job and she became a color she just was a color person a colorist and she worked on um, Snow White, Dumbo, Pinocchio you name it for 40 years she worked with with Disney she became a Disney legend in 2000 she uh, was a, a big signer in the, uh, the autograph people that were into um, to Disney through, through the mail and through different con conventions. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention she was a pioneer. And, you know, when you, you live to 111, that, that, that's something. And she was, you know, she was there for all, every Disney animated film, you know, from 1939 and even before that, all the way up until the, until the 70s, she worked on Robin Hood and she worked on, you name it, Winnie the Pooh. She, she, she did it for Disney for 40 years. So, um, you know, uh, our condolences to Ruthie Thompson and, and, and her family. Um, in the world of uh, hockey, 
we lost uh, Jack Eager, Eager the, uh, a couple weeks ago. I missed this one. I apologize. Jack was 72 years old. He played for the Rangers, the St. Louis Blues, and he was an original Washington Capitol. From he played from 1969 to 1975. He was a right winger, and uh, you know he was he was kind of one of those fourth line guys, right, Drew? Mm -hmm. But he, but you know he was he was he was an NHLer, and so he got drafted by the Rangers. And again, he was the original Washington Capitol. He was 72 years old, and then uh, in the world of baseball, we lost uh, an outfielder who we, Drew and I thought played for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we were totally 100% wrong about that. His name was Drew Carmel, and he played for the Cardinals, Mets, and Yankees. He was an outfielder from 1959 to 1965. Duke was 84 years old. Duke was a, a great TTMer. Um, and, and, you know, there was some, some rumors they did pass a couple weeks ago that we had mentioned, but we didn't, we couldn't confirm it. But he did. He died a couple weeks ago, right, Drew? Uh, yeah, I was actually back on August 3rd, but uh, I had seen it on, there's a group I follow on Facebook that covers any kind of pro athlete deaths, usually in the big four sports. And they had mentioned uh, Duke Carmel, that they had seen that he had died on some uh, social media reports, but I went looking around and I couldn't find anything. So I had mentioned it to you, but I'm like, yeah, we probably shouldn't put it on the air just in case. But um, just looking on Baseball Almanac this week, they did, they have it posted on their site, at least that yes, he died on um, August 3rd in New Orleans. So if it's being reported there, I'm comfortable putting it out here. So at least Baseball Almanac is reporting that, yes, he has died. Uh, again, it was Duke Carmel. He was 84 years old, and he played from 1959 to 1965 for the Cardinals, Mets, and Yankees. And then lastly, this one kind of hits home, I think, for both Drew and myself. This gentleman was a great TTMer. Um, you know, I grew up with him as, as a player. And uh, he had, and eventually became a broadcaster. I have his autograph. I think Drew, I'm sure, has his autograph from, from 1972. We're talking, of course, of Ray Fossey, who was a catcher for the Cleveland Indians, the Oakland A's. He was an original Seattle Mariner. He finished his career with the Milwaukee Brewers. He played from 1969 to 1979. He's, of course, famous for um, being the catcher that Pete Rose ran over uh, in the All-Star game. I think that was 70, 1970 All-Star game. Does that sound it right? It was, Jim? yes. 1970 sounds right. Yeah, the 1970 All-Star game, he, uh, you know, he injured his shoulder. He was never quite the same player, but he still had enough. He was he still had enough to, to have a 10-year major league career. He uh, ended up working for the Oakland A's as a color, color commentator. Did he ever work for the Indians? Was he ever uh, a TV for the Indians as well? I don't think he did. He just played for them for a long time in two different stints there with them. But yeah, I don't think he was ever a front officer broadcast or anything like that with them. Well, again, Ray Fosty, Ray Fosty was 74 years old. I know he, he passed away from cancer. I know you had, you got, you, you got him as a TT, uh, TTM. I actually got him uh, in person actually, rather than TTM, but uh, he is the reason why I really, well, he's the one that really kicked off me starting on this 1972 project. Cause uh I had first gotten some cards from the 72 set when I was like about 10, 10, 12 years old, something like that from a guy at the church I went to in Ohio. And the Ray Fossey card was one of the ones that was in the batch that I got. And so over time I'd gotten, you know, a couple 72s signed here and there around like the late 2000s, early 2010s, something like that. But uh, 2014, when the A's came to town here in Arlington, I had the card with me and uh, got him to sign it. I thought, all right, cool. Yeah, that's great. That's one of the, the original ones I got for this set and everything. So, uh, 
I got him again on some other cards later. Uh, I think it was, well, it was in July. It was right before I went to the 2014 national. And I think those are the only autographs I got that day. It was on like a 78 and a couple other cards there of him, but uh, just walking around the ballpark about to go and grab a bite to eat and all that. And I thought, I wonder how many of these 72s I could possibly get signed. Cause I was just thinking about, well, how I'd gotten the 72 signed by Fossey earlier. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to the national. Let's see what I can come up with. Let's see what I can start on here and, just see how far I can get. And well, I'm about to mention a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on here when we get into successes and such from the week. But uh, yeah, I really have to credit Ray Fossey's autograph with really getting me started on this project. Yeah, I got Ray for my 1978 set uh, through the mail. And mm -hmm. he, I remember he was a quick turnaround. And I know he did some uh, signings for, for friends at Trove's, Trove's yep. Sports Den. Uh, I'm not sure if they have any stuff online that's available because usually they have a bunch of stuff from guys that had signed for them. So you might want to check the Trove Sports Den out. Um, but, Ray, you know, I know Ray, he was sick the, uh, with with cancer the last couple of years. And, um, you know, our, our, our hearts and prayers go out to him and his family, to his family. And uh, again, we are sorry for everyone, uh, you know, all the loss. Um, it's tough, especially when we lose somebody that, that, you know, we rooted for. I was a Ray Fossey fan. I was, I'm always kind of the under, underdog guy, and uh, I was never a huge Pete Rose fan per se. <laughs> so it was, you know, it, it, it's it's sad, and I, I understand he was a, a very good uh, color guy for the Oakland A's. So again, that wraps up our Vern Rap Minute, and uh, we condolences, and we are sorry for your loss. Next up is TTM returns. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. TTM returns is just that. We review our, our returns of the week. And I had, uh, let's see, I had four this week. And Drew, you had uh, four baseball and, and a purchase. You want to go first? Sure, I can take that. So uh, we'll go with my... Successes first, but uh, on, I think it was Tuesday, I got Al Weiss back, former member of the 1969 Mets. Very quick turnaround on him. I sent two cards. He signed both those plus an index card as well. So got those back quickly. Um, Adam Hazley from the Philadelphia Phillies got him back in about a two-week turnaround as well on four cards, including one for my 2021 Heritage set. So very happy to add that one. Ah, uh, Let's see here. That was... So that was on Wednesday. Thursday was a day with nothing. Friday, I got two back, one being Chris Bassett, the Oakland A's pitcher that you may remember that a couple of months ago, he took that line drive to, straight to the head from a White Sox uh, batter. I'm hoping it sounds like his, uh, his rehab is going all right in that, but it looks like he was catching up on his mails that uh, was sent back in April, I think it was, about a six-month turnaround there. And also got back uh, White Sox all-star Liam Hendricks, um, unfortunately, he kept my 2021 Heritage card or got lost somewhere along the way. So if somebody out there comes up with a 2021 Heritage signed by Liam Hendricks that they don't need, I would be glad to trade one of the other ones I got signed for that one to go into my set. But uh, it's a two-week turnaround on him as well. Uh, made a couple purchases there. As Jeff said, I got a uh, 2021 Heritage signed by uh, John Bertie from uh, Jesse Ibora on one of the Facebook groups out there. He's been selling off a whole bunch of stuff lately to help raise money for a family that he knows that I believe they had a daughter who recently died. So he's been uh, trying to solve some stuff to help them with any costs associated with that. And back on Monday, I was able to finally meet up with a, a longtime collector a guy named Robert Marks. 
Uh, some of you may have seen him on Facebook groups. He's been a long time collector, mostly in-person stuff, but uh, he was actually in town here in Dallas. His mom lives around here. He's from here originally, but uh, he had to be coming in from Florida to uh, think he's uh, there. Uh, they had a car to pick up or something like that from his mom. So they were uh, flying in. He said, Hey, I'm going to be in town. If we, if you want to, if I can mail from here, I'm like, dude, I can just drive across and meet you there real quick. So we were able to do that. And I bought some uh, 1972 set needs from him and getting those has now put me over 500 signatures for the 1972 set project. I need a uh, 857, I think it is to complete it, but still I've hit 505 at this point now with that uh, batch from Robert. So uh, really happy to get through all of that. I mean, like I said, you know, I started on that after getting Fosse. And so being able to hit that milestone here this week is absolutely huge. I never thought I'd be anywhere close to this many on that set. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's gone so far, at least. No, it's funny, Drew, is, is you, you do it kind of differently than I do. Because I ha I started the 78 set basically because I have, like, almost three full sets of 1978 cards. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if I, I send out a card and I don't get it back, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Um but you're doing it kind of the other way. You didn't, you had almost no 72 cards and you kind of, you kind of building your cards, your, your set as you go, which is, is a unique way of doing it. Yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, I got a few of them back when I was, you know, 10 or 12 years old or so, but I got really lucky when running all the Facebook groups and everything, there was a guy in North Carolina, I think it was. And he said, Hey, I'll keep an eye out. I've actually found a bunch of, he found like this whole load of 72 unsigned not in the greatest condition, but I'm not really super picky about that either since I'm just getting them signed and putting them in a binder and stuff, not trying to get them graded or anything. We found this whole bunch of it, like a yard sale. So we said, hey, I'll send these to you. Just uh, I'll make a deal with you. If you send me, you know, one card of every player that you get multiples of graphing in person in the minor leagues this year, send me all that at the end of the season. I'll give you all these 72s. And I'm like, that is a hell of a deal right there. I will gladly take that. So yeah. I was able to build up a whole bunch that way and then, you know, just grab a few others along the way and just find cheapos wherever I can. So that's, uh, I've been able to fill it up pretty well. I mean, I've only got, even unsigned, I'm down to only missing a, a whole lot of the high numbers because, I mean, those things are expensive. They are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, any of the first, what, four series, I think I'm completely done on those unsigned at least and getting most of those signed now wherever I can as well. Yeah, I love those high numbers, but, boy, they're expensive. Yeah, I mean, even unsigned, we're looking at at least like $2 for even a bad condition one. It's like, yep. yeah, I, I can't do that most of the time. So do you have any uh, going out this week? I've got two ready to go here, two football ones, actually. Going to be sending off to uh, former Cowboys lineman John Nyland and also uh, Cardinals wide receiver Andy Isabella. He actually is from my area wait. in Ohio originally. Yeah, where did he go to school? He is a UMass grad. UMass so boy. Yep, and went to Mayfield High School in uh, Mayfield Heights, Ohio, which is right up the road from where I went to high school. So I'll be uh, definitely mentioning that in my letter. He's a, yeah, tell, tell him go UMass. Yep. I'd, I'd love to get Andy on the show. So if you want to you put a little on that, I, I co-host a podcast with, with the UMass guy. We'd love to have you on. Nice. I'll <laughs> definitely mention that. All right, cool. That, that's cool, Drew. I had, I had uh, four returns this week. I actually got one um, from a listener. From a, a guy, person that that, it's, that I've had on the show uh, sent me a card, so I'm going to mention that last. But I got uh, Bobby Douglas, who uh, was quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure who else he played for, um, but in the 70s, I got him on his 73 card. He signed a nice blue sharpie with his number. 
Um, weird, strangely, he put his number first, then his name. He signed it right across it. 73 tops, Bobby Douglas. Nice. So we got that. I got that back in, I don't know, like three or four weeks. I got um, Chris uh, Cotterelli from his 1987 tops card. He signed it in blue. Uh, Sharpie, and I think there's something. Isn't this an error card in that it's not him? The, isn't the 87 tops, 87 tops card? Is the 89 um, is an 89 record breakers card of Doug Jones that shows Cotteroli by mistake? Okay, I knew there was an error card out there, yeah. but I saw the card and I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know why, but I've been going on a 1987 tops kick lately. Yep. I like I like the cards, and so I got I got him, and that would took uh, maybe about a month, and then I got two cards signed by Rolf Bernerska, who was a kicker for the San Diego Chargers back in the '80s. So I got him on his '87 tops card or '88. I know it's I think that's '87. That's an '80 '87 tops card, and this '86 tops card um, in black in uh, black sharp black sharpie. Kind of a smaller signature, but um, yeah, kind of. It was. I'm happy to get that. I think. What didn't he um, co-host? Didn't he host Wheel of Fortune or something back in the day? Didn't? I think it was the daytime syndicated version of Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, he was. I think the host of that for a bit. Yeah. So I I know he's a very good TTMer, and I was going through cards a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, and I saw the card and I said, Oh, I don't think I have him. So I sent him off a couple cards and I got that back. And then, uh, you know, our guest this week, and we'll, we'll it'll lead right into it. I got uh, Mike McCoy on a seven, his 73 tops card. And then he sent uh, a, one of the custom cards back and personalized it. So I got that back in, in um, I don't know, about three, three weeks. And as I said, that's how Mike and I uh, got acquainted. So um, that wraps up my uh, returns to the week. I don't have anyone, anything set to go out. I do have, I have my AC Earl who played for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a first round pick. I saw he was signing. So I'm going to send out a couple to him. Oh, I forgot. Um, Steve Katsoulis, who we had, I had on as a guest a couple weeks ago. Him and I would just ra- uh, rap and kind of after the show. And I had sent him a cup, uh, um, a star company card of um, Scott Wegman that I had, I had found. I saw it. Sh- I got, I got it a show. Um, Cause he said he was, that's what he was into him. And I've been corresponding back and forth a little. And he knew that I was collecting the 78 set and he sent me a uh, 78 Dennis Eckersley. Oh, signed for my, great. For my, my, my set. So I was very happy about that. Steve, thank you very much. You know, I, I love, I've, I've been wanting that card for a while. I was going to go see Eckersley at the Shriners a couple of years ago, but it got, he got, got canceled because of COVID and he hasn't been, I haven't seen him anywhere. So him and I were talking and I'm very happy to add that to my collection. So um, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe 450 now for my 78 set. And I'm not, not as well, not as good as you for 72, but <laughs> I'm getting there. So yeah, it's slow, slowly but surely. And that, that wraps up returns to the week. Next up is our interview segment. This week's interview is brought to you by the Trove Sports Den. Come and hang out and chat with baseball pros from past and present online. Visit thetrovesportsden.com and join in the fun today. So as, as I've been uh, promoting during the, the show, I'm, I'm very, I was very happy um, when a, a former athlete comes back and, and responds to my letter. Um, you know, we, we're, we're, we, we still are, we, we do a lot of stuff through the mail still. 
kind of strange in, in the world that we live in where everyone's on texting and you know messaging and social media but uh we still do a lot of you know our, our, our lifeblood is the mail right oh yeah so oh, yeah. to get contacts of a lot of these guys we only have a mailing address and we don't have a phone number to call these guys we don't we're not bumping into them on the street or wherever so um you know, I sent a, a request out to Mike McCoy probably, I don't know, three or four weeks ago now. And he responded and asked him if he wanted to be on the, the show. And then lo and behold, I got an email from him the other day and said, oh, give me a call. I'm interested. Like, great. I love I love when that happens. So I reached out to Mike. Mike is uh, a very, a very religious man. He uh, runs a ministry for uh, youth ministry for for kids in uh, Catholic schools and it's very personal why he does it and we talk a lot about uh, Mike was the uh, number two pick coming out of uh, college Notre Dame he had a great career at Notre Dame we talk a lot about his time at Notre Dame we talk about being drafted number two in the country uh, we talk about um, you know playing a, as uh, high expectations we talk about uh, playing in Green Bay in the cold weather. We talk. We talk about um, all the some of the the, guy, the guys that he played against, and you know, it just I, I was telling Drew when when after I interviewed him, uh, in this interview he mentions O.J. Simpson, Joe Namath, Fran Tarkenton, Walter Payton, uh, you name it. So he 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 played against all these great guys, and we talk about a lot about this. So uh, you know, enjoy my interview with Mike McCoy. Mike, I want to appreciate, you know, thank you very much uh, for, for your time because he spent a lot of time with me on the phone. But uh, first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. The CSG registry is now live and ready for your sports cards. Designed to be the premier online arena for sports card collecting, the CSG registry is a superior platform to display your CSG certified cards and compete against other collectors to see who has the best sets. Start adding your CSG certified cards now. Visit csgcards.com registry. Joining us on the TTM cast hotline from his home in Florida is number two pick in the 1970 draft from Notre Dame. He played 11 seasons in the NFL as defensive tackle with the Green Bay Packers, Oakland Raiders, New York Giants, and finished up his career with a few games with the Detroit Lions. Joining us is number 76, Mr. Mike McCoy. Hi, Jeff. Uh, good to be with you this morning. Welcome. I'm, I'm so thrilled to, to talk to you. I'm, I'm happy that you uh, responded to my request and signed my card. I really appreciate that as, a, as an autograph collector. And I love to talk to, um, you know, former athletes and find out about their career. Um, you know, you were the number two pick out of Notre Dame and you played on some great teams in Notre Dame. Yeah, I really did. You know, I graduated from high school way back when in 1966 and I had a chance to, um, have a coach named Tony Zambrowski, who was my coach at my high school called Cathedral Prep, who went to Notre Dame back in the uh, late 40s, early 50s. So we're going back in a time for a lot of you, a uh, lot of your listeners, but uh, he was very instrumental in me uh, with my career at, at Cathedral Prep. I didn't go to, the, I didn't start playing football till my sophomore year in high school. Wow. I was just a big kid trying to survive growing up in the east side of Erie, Pennsylvania. And I, and I like to tell people my two favorite foods were Twinkies and milkshakes. So, <laughs> uh, not only growing up in east side of Erie, Pennsylvania, but my sister was four years older than me. So I learned a, a lot about the NFL from her. But that's for another story. And uh, so I went to prep because I was uh, I, in the, my freshman year. I left home and went to study to become a Catholic priest. And so I was in the seminary for a year. That didn't work out, so I transferred to prep. Almost didn't get in because there was 1,200 
students at the time. This was a big school and uh, all boys. And uh, so I got to cathedral prep and played a little football, you know, with the guys on the outside and nothing, nothing like real football. So I decided to go out through the encouragement of my friends because I was six foot three, about 245 pounds as a sophomore in high school. And uh, so I had a chance to be under the tutelage of coach Tony Zambrowski and, and Ron Costello and Len Saitersky. So we had some great coaches uh, on, my, on my high school cathedral prep. And uh, we always were winning the uh, city titles. Back then, you know, they discriminated against Catholics. They wouldn't let us into the uh, public school playoffs. So once we won the city, we were done. Where some of the other public schools in the area, there were five at the time that went on to go into the regional finals, but they wouldn't let prep do that. Thank goodness that's changed now. Yeah, that's changed. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I wrestled in high school, state champ, Catholic state champ and, and city champ in high school and shot put and discus. And I uh, played a lot of different sports and studied really hard and had that chance to meet Eric Parsegan my junior year. I went out there for a spring football game with Tony and his wife, Marion, and they drove me from Erie out to South Bend. And, uh, and that was 1965. So era was just starting, starting the era of era. And so I met him and I saw the university it was only 5,000 students at the time. And it was an all boys, all boys school at the time. So it just kind of fit me perfectly, even though I went to Syracuse and Indiana and Penn state. And I just looked at those my senior year and ended up going out there. And of course, freshmen weren't allowed to play back then. Yep. So we were the freshman team. And so we had a scrimmage three times a week, the varsity team would prepare them for the opposing team the following Sunday. So my second day on campus, we were scrimmaging against the number one defense and they put me at right tackle. And every guy on that 66 national championship team on that defensive unit was drafted in the NFL. Wow. So, uh, so did you get you, did you, did they beat you up a little like in oh, yeah, Rudy? I, be, I was very <laughs> discouraged, you know, trying to trap Alan Page and Kevin Hardy and Pete Duranko and some of the great, great names in Notre Dame lore. Came back to my dorm room that night and had two hours of homework and call and got a payphone. I don't know if you all, you, you guys know what a payphone oh, is. Oh, sure. So I found a payphone <laughs> in my dorm and I put that quarter in and made a click call to Coach Zambrowski. And I said, man, I said, what do you have got me into? He says, well, just hang in there, persevere and it'll get better. And he was right. It did get better. And I started to compete and had a chance to be uh, on that sideline of the 10-10 game. Our freshman team scrimmaged Michigan State the night before. And there was 15,000 people that came to that game at a high school stadium in East Lansing. Wow. And we beat them in the last second field goal. And uh, the Saul brothers were on that team, Rich and Ron Saul from Butler. Sure. And I played against them in high school and played against them in Michigan State, played against them when they were the Rams and the in the, in the Redskins. So we, we have a long history there with the Saul brothers. And so we're on that sideline for the 10, 10 game. And that was pretty exciting. And of course Very they raised neat. the bar pretty hard for freshman team because in my sophomore, junior and senior, I think we were ranked probably in the top four, five, six, and seven in the country and uh, never really won a national championship. But my senior year, we had a chance to play Texas in Texas. And that was the first time uh, Notre Dame went to a bowl game in 45 years. Because we always had our we had our test after Christmas, and the semesters were a little bit different back then. So I took my books with me to Dallas so I could study for my finals when I got back. And uh, Texas was undefeated. And I think they were 27 in a row. They're number one. They had uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who was on the sideline had the cancer in his leg, and uh, they made a movie about him, All American. 
And uh, so we went down to Texas and unfortunately lost within the last seconds and uh, they beat us. But following year, Notre Dame went down and, and beat them pretty bad. So then I had a chance to, uh, I was heading off to law school, Jeff. I mean, the NFL is not what the NFL was back then. There was no I know, totally different, huh? Totally different. And the only scouting they had was the Bledsoe report. And I don't even know if any, any pro scouts came on campus that I was aware of when I was at Notre Dame. They may have, and I didn't know it. And uh, so I was off to law school and I received a phone call from the Packers and I was in class that time, that day, I think it was in February, March. And they said, uh, call Pat Pepler. And I had no idea who Pat Pepler was. He was a personnel director. So I called him and he says, you've just been drafted in the NFL. And I knew I was going to go, but I just didn't know where. And what happened, the Bears were number two, Green Bay was number five. So Green Bay traded up. And then Pittsburgh took took this guy named Terry Bradshaw. I don't know. Yeah, who's he? <laughs> Whatever and, happened uh, to him? <laughs> yeah, Terry Terry went to the Steelers, and I was number two, and went up to Green Bay. So you and mean was, you didn't have a you didn't guys all didn't go to New York City and go yeah. to Radio City Music Hall yeah. and, and yeah. have uh, the TV cameras in your living room to no. to see no. to see how you reacted? <laughs> no. no, I mean you know I was I played BM. You know, it's before money. <laughs> my contract was eighteen thousand dollars my first year. And Terry's was twenty. So, yeah, I, th uh, I think uh, that was leagues. my first. That was my first uh, year's paycheck as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a little later than that. Yeah, but, and uh, we, uh, you know, the leagues merged my junior year. Yeah, so there's no more competition. So it was the NFL, AFC, NFC, and that that uh, that stayed that way till about '93. And then the new contract came in. That's when revenue sharing came in. The salaries obviously went up since then. So the time at Notre Dame was very special. Uh, great friends, still some great friends today, and. You know, I have a ministry called Mike McCoy Ministries, and uh, probably 90% of my board members are my my classmates from Notre Dame. That's so very that's cool. We've been, what, how many, 50 years, 52 years, something like that since I graduated. Well, I understand you had an interesting encounter with O.J. Simpson you, uh, uh, in a college game. When, uh, was it a pro bowl game, or is it the final no, game? No, it, uh, it, was it was a pro game. Yeah. Pro well, no, 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 I'm sorry. You're right. Cause we played USC every year. Yeah. So my junior year, they came up and beat us. And then my, my sophomore year, they came to Notre Dame, beat us like 24 to 17. And OJ was a great running back. So my senior, my junior year, we're in LA and we're staying at the ambassador hotel. And I'll give you a little bit of history. We're sitting, we're, we had breakfast and lunch at the same uh, area where Robert Kennedy was, was assassinated at the ambassador hotel. Okay. Sure. So, uh, we went back into that little area and saw what happened. And so he just won the Heisman trophy and our defense held OJ to, uh, I think 53 yards and 38 carries. And he was pretty upset about that. So, and then I can, then I played against him and when he was with Buffalo and I think two, three times. And we, knew but didn't he say something interesting to you on the field? Well, he may have, you know, I don't know. But, you know <laughs> he says, he says, uh, he says, I'm going to get you. I said, I just hope he doesn't know where I live. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, that may be a Hollywood thing. I'm just not sure. You know, he did say something, but uh, uh, probably can't repeat it. But it was along those lines. What's your, what's your, um, your, your, your one thing that brings a smile to your face when you think about Notre Dame, you know, your days at Notre Dame, is there one, you know, was there one person that really touched you or one event that, that, you know, you're sitting, you're, you're sitting there having dinner and you're like, Oh, I yeah. remember I, that, that brings fond memories back. Well, it was amazing because we just had our 52nd uh, reunion for my class. Cause we couldn't do it to two years of COVID. Sure. So one of our one of my classmates uh, decided to put it on himself and we did that the weekend of the uh, uh, Notre Dame was playing 
in Wisconsin and Chicago. So we're on campus in Notre Dame. It's pretty quiet. And we rented a box uh, and watched it from the stadium, you know, with the screen, big screen TV. So just listening to the stories these guys had about our freshman year at 222 Keenan Hall and all the, all the alleged things that I did, which I, I <laughs> they were just fun things, you know, guys were banging on my door one night. It was two o'clock in the morning because I knew I'd come out and get them. And I did. We just, we just had a lot of fun. That first it, year. It, it's so it's so nice when you when you bump into a former classmate or, or or you pick up the phone and you talk to somebody and now you start you start talking to them and it brings you back to those days you know you know you don't miss a beat you just start talking about all oh, the, yeah. the fun times are, and you know they were most of them retired high-powered business people and you know entrepreneurs and this is what they remember about another day yep they're all knuckleheads like the rest of us oh, oh, incredible. <laughs> and i think the other thing that probably brings a smile to my face is just the time i was there it was a unique time in history it was in the uh, mid '60s, and a lot of stuff was happening around the yep. country. Uh, we had uh, JFK assassinated. We have Martin Luther King assassinated. Robert Kennedy assassinated. We had the uh, burnings. We had Vietnam. We had a lot of a lot of pressure things, and uh, and how Father Hesper handled that at, on campus at Notre Dame. And I wasn't part. I didn't have time to protest. Yeah. No, I'm I, sure you were, you were studying really, and you know, playing really ball. Did, you know, playing football and studying. So a group of guys are going to protest on the uh, stair on the stairs of uh, the administration building. Father Hesburgh says, you have the right to protest, but if you're here after 20 minutes, you're out of school. <laughs> so they protested and then they went back to class. So yeah, a little, a little different than like, Berkeley uh, you know, or some of these like, other places. You know, wasn't like Kent State, as you know what happened there, unfortunately. And Come in. Um, so it was very, I mean, just, just the campus and the serenity of campus and the beauty of campus, even in the wintertime in the dome, um, and the old buildings, the history of Notre Dame and the lakes, and just remembering, you know, my mother would walk over. My mother never came to a game, which I didn't know for many years. She would come out, give her ticket to somebody else, and she would walk around campus and feed the squirrels, you know. <laughs> and, uh, she didn't want to see her son get hurt. I said, Mom, I said, I'm hurt. Yeah, you, were, you were hurting yeah, people. You yeah, weren't getting yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah, she didn't understand that. So just, but, uh, just the memories of family coming out there and, um, just the beauty of Notre Dame and, and what it stood for at that time. Sure. Now, coming out coming out of uh, school, you were not you know you were high draft pick number two in the country, nineteen seventy draft. Did you feel a lot of pressure? Uh, you know, being such a high draft pick with such um, big expectations. Yeah, there was pressure there, no doubt. And uh, but I just knew that uh, once I got into the league, that once I uh, got through the testing time, you know, the veterans like to test you. And, uh, and I didn't get it to Green Bay until two weeks after the, after, after the training camp started because I wasn't playing in a college all-star game in Chicago. So Al Matthews and I drove up with my wife and, uh, and Al, Al was a black defensive back who became uh, my roommate and he's from Southern. And uh, so we drove up together. And so we were two weeks behind and they were waiting for us, these guys. And so the first day we go out there and there's a, there's an offensive guard named Gail Gillingham. I had no idea who Gail Gillingham was. I just know he played for the Packers. He was in one Super Bowl. He was in his third year out of Minnesota. And he, Gail was around 6'3", about 280. Uh, but he had a waist of about 38. And he, he lifted weights back then. And we didn't know what that was. Sure. So he, he was very powerful. And so we had the one-on-one -on -one drill, the bag drill. You put the bags up and you know, then you get the, you go one-on-one -on -one with the offensive tackle and defensive tackle, offensive guard. And they snap the ball and they give the ball to the running back and you're supposed to shed your block and tackle. So Gail came up and there's nobody from the defense jumping up. I said, I'll, I'll jump up. Yes. Yeah, so you know, I'm 
the big guy from Notre Dame. He hit me so hard that, you know, he didn't really drive me off the ball, but that initial contact was so hard. I felt it to the bottom of my feet. Welcome to the NBA NFL kid, right? I said, this guy's not too bad, you know? So we had, we actually, it was easier for me to play the game than it was to practice against this guy. Because there's there's very few guards in the league that were better than than Gil Gilead. Oh man, when you came to the Packers, they were still, um, you know, coming off a couple of, of Super Bowl wins in the late sixties, and uh, they yeah, were kind of on their downturn, right? Yeah, so, sixty-seven was their last one. So I'm mean, yeah. we talking seventy, and the and the and the and the and the people were getting a little bit anxious. Vince Lombardi died my rookie year, and uh, and he actually died on my birthday. And did so, you get to meet him? No, never. No, because he was playing no. with Washington, he right? Was already in Washington, yeah. And he died of colon cancer. And my late wife, Kia, his uncle was his confessor, Father Father Bill Spaulding. And he told us that Vince was always eating these tums because he had this stomach problem. But he, he had that cancer, for, I think, for a while. They just didn't have the means to test back then. And that's what he died of. And he was 58 years old. Uh, are the winters so, in Green Bay as, ba- as bad as they say? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm I mean, in Boston, so. So I we get a lot along, of snow here, but yeah, I grew up along Lake Erie, you know, in Erie, but it wasn't as cold as Green Bay. So we decided to stay up there after my rookie year. In that first winter, we had three weeks of 40 below. I said, this is wow. nuts. Yeah, you can't even go outside. But, I, you know, we already made a commitment to stay there and, and uh, we built a house and love Green Bay, love the people. And then when I was traded to Oakland, I felt, felt a little bit bad, but, you know, I was going from a team that, we did win a central division title in 72 and almost won another one in 74, but the Dan Devine year was very traumatic for a lot of people. And it's amazing. We did so well. In fact, a lot of sports writers were saying that the team of 1972, the last 10 games were the best teams they saw ever in green Bay. And what and happened? Who, who beat you? Well, we, we got into playoffs and we lost to the Redskins 16. Oh, and they, and they made it to, they went to the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl and lost to Miami who's 17 to no. Yep. So Dan Devine and Bart Starr were arguing during the game. And uh, so Dan was on one, one, one side and Bart was on the other. And Bart wanted to throw the ball and Dan says, no, we're running the ball because we have McCarthy Lane and John Brockington. We had the number one rushing offense in the, in, in the league and we had the number two and three defense in the league against the run in the past. So we had a very good team. And so after the game, one of the guys came up to Brock. He says, how come you guys didn't start throwing to the fourth quarter? Because <laughs> we had, we had <laughs> eight guys in the box. And they were just, they were shocked that we didn't do that. By the time we did it, of course, then they went to pre- prevent defense in the fourth quarter and we couldn't, we couldn't beat them. Now you played for uh, John Madden. How was John Madden as a coach? And, and Phenomenal. It was so much fun. I mean, I love Green Bay. Don't get me wrong what I'm going to say here, but it was tough coming in there every day during the divine era and just the things that went on and uh and the politics that was being played at the time but going out there was 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 like okay god you you put me through seven years up here in green bay now now I'm, I, I was in purgatory now i'm going to heaven and uh john madden was great al davis was great the raiders just came off the super bowl win yep. in 76 and that team uh has gone down in history the top team in the first 50 years in the nfl there's eight eight hall of famers from that team in 76. So in 76 was my last year with Green Bay and we were playing Oakland in Milwaukee and I probably had my best game as a pro. And next year I'm in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was That's... very enjoyable. Unfortunately, we we lost to Denver twice in the AFC Championship games and uh, if you ever wanted to see something, it's 1977 Denver 
Oakland AFC championship game in Denver. And I'm highlighted in that game. I picked up a fumble and I was gone for 98 yards and they called it back and they said it wasn't a fumble. Oh. And it was a fumble. And Jack Tatum hit a guy named Rob Lytle coming over the top. And so we lost the game 14 to seven. And that was a 14 point turnaround for us about the third quarter. I want to talk about a couple of your coaches, uh, but first I want to talk about you scored one touchdown in, in 1975. Do you remember that? I did against Archie Manning in the dome. Archie Manning. Was it a fumble three. recovery? Absolutely. Uh, Alden Roche hit him. So Alden was coming from the right defensive end. I'm playing left defensive tackle. And uh, Clarence Williams and I had an X stun on. So Clarence came down. I looped around as I was coming around. Boom. Alden hit Archie and the ball is like, three yards in front of me. I just went down, scooped it up and ran 22 yards. Did, did anyone chase you or did you just yeah, run an offensive the, guard? I mean, they can't. No, be. no problem. You could beat those guys you know, in, in any day. Four, nine, did nine, you keep nine. the ball? No, I spiked it, you know, and I, <laughs> I lost the ball. But did I, you I do the Lambo ball. leap? No, we didn't have that back then. I was in, oh, we were okay. in the dome. Oh, in, in New Orleans. Orleans. Oh, no, the Lambo leap didn't come in until, I don't know, I guess mid nineties, something like that. But that, that that's cool. So that 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 and have you bumped into Archie uh, after? You know, I've seen him a few times over the years. You know, and uh, actually, we went on a USO tour together prior to that fumble in '72, and we went to uh, uh, Thailand and, and Vietnam, and so I was on a trip with him and three or four other guys. That was like uh, an eye opener for me, because I was drafted number uh, my my birth date was September sixth. So my senior year at Notre Dame is all exemptions gone and we're going to pull out wow. the birthday. The first 125 guy, 25 dates are probably gone. So I'm sitting there and they pulled out number six, September 6th. That was me. Oh, and you got, tra you got drafted. You were going to get, you did get drafted. Oh, I did. Yeah. But I failed the physical because I was wow. after the cotton bowl game. And after I had my, my, uh, finals, at Notre Dame, I'm back in Erie on a bus going to Buffalo to get physical. And if I would have passed the physical, I was gone. Yeah, that. It's like that, you know, that, Rocky Blyer was in was in Pittsburgh at the time. You're ahead of yep. me, and he he was five games into the season. He gets this thing. You're gone. He had yeah, to leave. A, yeah. a, a different time, certainly. But you haven't seen Archie. You didn't see Archie after you you, you sacked him and got the touchdown and rubbed it I in a, a little. A couple times in Atlanta for some of these functions around some of the bowl games. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, uh, back to some of the coaches that you played uh, for and with, um, you know, when you were the Giants, you, you were you played for Ray Perkins, but there are a couple of um, future Hall of Fame coaches on that staff and, and Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. What was Bill Belichick like a, as a, a young know, coach? I don't know. Was Parcells on that staff? I can't remember. Yeah, he was. OK, because they fired. He was, he was the linebackers coach. OK, so I don't I don't remember Bill. Them. I do remember Belichick. Very quiet. Um, wouldn't say very much, pretty much the same personality as today, you know? So I, I didn't really, you know, I was only, I was there for two years. And uh, the reason they, they got, they, they went after me is because I was a four, three tackle and a kid named Troy Archer uh, was a defensive tackle from Michigan. And he was in his second or third year, very good football player, uh, future all pro guy. And he uh, was an automobile accident and got killed right towards the end of training camp. And so they put out the word, hey, we need a 4-3 tackle. I just moved my family to Oakland, rented a place, because that, that's all on us. I had to pay for all that. The, the sure. way teams don't, you know, they pay for your transportation, not your family. 
So after the first week they're there, we're coming towards the end of, end, end of training camp. We have one exhibition game left. And, uh, and I went up to uh, Coach Flores at the time because John retired. And I said, you know, what's the deal? He goes, oh, no, we want you. It's going to be you and Dave Fair. We got we drafted a kid named Reggie Kinlaw. And we're going to put him on taxi squad from Oklahoma and let you and Pear rotate at nose tackle. Because one guy can't play the position. Back then, there was no rules. They could hit you high, low, ankle, cut you, anything. Yeah. It's a, it's a very tough position. <laughs> and uh, then I got the phone call. I said, Mike, sorry, we're, we're sending you to New York. <laughs> So off I go to New York and, uh, the, uh, I think it was the third, third or fourth game against the Redskins. I got clipped by the center and, and partially tore my ligament in my knee. And, uh, so I came back the following year and I was in great shape. Same guy hit me in my thigh and tore my thigh muscle right. after about the third game. So I didn't play a lot up there, unfortunately. And then, uh, Perkins was still there and, and he was going to release me. I know he was going to. I say, hey, listen, I'll put the pads on. I, I healed. I can still play this game. I still want to play this game. And I heard there's some teams want to pick me up. So Detroit picked me up. And they were in a playoff run at the time. And uh, enjoyed my time with Detroit. I wish I could remember the defensive line coach because he was so innovative at the time that uh, I think I played four games, like five sacks. Uh, Did you get hurt at the uh, when you were in Detroit? Or you just got, no, you, no, it was just no, the end of the year? Yeah, yeah, it was the last four or five games of the season. Was it hard to hang it up for you? I mean, you were only thirty-two. Well, you weren't you weren't an yeah, old man. No, well, I was old for football. I know, but career was three, four years. I was back in Pennsylvania. I had a farm and racquetball club, and I was working out like crazy. And um, then they, you know, they when it, they re, the so when I was in Detroit, they uh, they released me. We we lost Thanksgiving Day to the to the Bears on a kickoff in overtime, one hundred three yards. And if we, if we, if, if Detroit would have won that game back in 1980, we would have been in the playoffs. And so we were pretty much controlling the game and uh, they start giving the ball to Walter and they scored and uh, 10 seconds left in the game. Uh, I, I touched the extra point. But oh. tied the game 17-17. Kickoff, 103 yards. That was my last, last game. In the, in the was there were there any stadiums you really liked to play in that, that had a, a great field or um, that you all it seemed to have uh, real good games in? Well, Lambeau Field was incredible, you know, because everybody was pretty close and uh, it wasn't what it is today. It was just a horseshoe, There's yeah, an opening at the one end, and that's where the administration buildings were. And they actually had dirt in in the uh, in the in the restrooms. So it was very, very, you know, you would think this is the NFL. I actually played on a dirt field in Milwaukee. And because uh, we were at the stadium. Yeah, because there was a baseball stadium. And, and I went in there and I said, dirt. You got, I said, I haven't played in dirt fields since I'm in the seventh grade. So part of the field was in dirt. And the uh, pitching mound was like on the five yard line, just off the side. <laughs> That's said, incredible. Crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say, um, you know, New York was pretty interesting playing up there. Uh, we played in the Yale Bowl at the time because yeah. the other stadium in Connecticut, yeah. Yet. So that was pretty cool playing there. Um, Did you play in Yankee Stadium at all? I know that was. You know, I played Yankee Stadium when I was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I was a senior at Notre Dame, and we played Army there. So being in the same locker room that uh, Babe Ruth was in, and all the great Yankees. That that yeah. Now I, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Plus the the pageantry playing Army. And the cadets, that was that was very, very interesting. As far as pros, you know, Miami was pretty cool, although it was very hot playing the Orange Bowl. 
Um, Steelers. Did you, did you play against the Patriots at all? Yeah, we did up there. Mm-hmm. In Foxborough? In the old Schaefer Stadium? The old stadium. Yeah. Yeah. What a pit. None, none of the new stadiums were built then. So <laughs> no, <stadiums>. I know. <laughs> what, yeah, what the first stadium was in Cincinnati. They had tartan turf. Yeah, I was going to ask you about playing on turf. Was was that really difficult? Terrible. Back then, it was just flat and hard. And they would just put maybe a quarter of an inch of, of uh, padding underneath it, and that was it, and it was flat. So my third year, we're playing in Houston an exhibition game. And that's – I did not enjoy playing in the dome. In the dome, yeah. It was terrible. And the field was terrible. And they had zippers every 20 yards. So one of our guys, Dave Roller, fell on the zipper and he got like six stitches in because he hit the zipper. I jumped over and cracked my fifth metatarsal. Wow. And uh, so I was in a cast for three weeks. And uh, matter of fact, that thing still hurts me today. Uh, Is it, I was going to say, it's amazing that you can even walk today after after playing yeah, in such a you I mean you played in such a brutal time it's a little it's different brutal. now than it than brutal. it was back then yeah Dick Buckus couldn't play in the league right now yeah he'd be banned, he'd, <laughs> he'd be banned. yeah he'd, they'd ban they'd ban him after the, the first quarter oh yeah you could I mean you could hit the you could hit the receiver anywhere anytime back then so he's playing the middle linebacker and he's watching the tight end come over this come over over the come over the middle and he's running that way. The ball's being thrown to his right. He's running to his left, and he clotheslines these guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was brutal. Yeah. Did, did, did brutal. you have any uh, just personal rivalries? If you, you know, you see, you looked on the schedule and you're playing X, Y, T, X team, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I love going against this guy either because he was a, a former teammate or a friend of yours or somebody you, you know, knew from. I like, I like playing against Detroit uh, for whatever reason. I, I like playing against Detroit and the Vikings in, in Minnesota. You know, that was an outdoor field, and we, we beat them up there uh, seven, 10 to three, and it was 20 below December 10th, 1972. And uh, field was frozen and it was Tarkington. So we- Yeah, we, I was gonna ask you, was Tarkington impossible yeah, to catch? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I got him a few times, but, but what I, one of the things that I do remember as we're talking is my first year with Oakland, we're playing Minnesota in Oakland towards the end of the season. I hit Fran right in the chest with my helmet underneath his chin, which I would be thrown out of the league right now for that. And he threw an interception. I said, hmm, I like that. That made me feel good. <laughs> you know, he never ran downfield. It was always all over the place in the backfield. No, I know. I remember him playing and he was, I just remember him. He would just like, he was just like a, a, a water bug all over the place, but. I should he, send you my uh, NFL films they put together. The they put a highlight film of you. I should, yeah, I should send it to you. Oh yeah, please do. I love. I love to see that. That would. That'd be fabulous. So I, I mean, other than Tarkenton, was there anyone else that, that you kind of? Uh, well, I felt enjoy, bad playing against Joe early in my against, career. Against who? I'm sorry. Joe Namath. Joe Namath. This was he. Yeah, because his knees were shot by then, right? And he was small. I said, "Oh, how does this guy survive in this league?" You know, he, he took a beating. And Bradshaw was the challenge because he was so big at the time, playing against him. Yeah, I mean, gr- I, growing up, um, I you know I started being a, a football fan in probably '72 or '73, and I just remember Jim Plunkett just getting the, the shit kicked out of him because the we had no offensive line. It's yeah, just yeah. I, I always felt bad for those guys. Yeah, matter of fact, Plunkett came when I was in Oakland, and he got released by the 49ers. He had a bad shoulder, so Al brought him over, paid him for a year to rehab. 
and to stay, stay in the sideline, learn the system. He won two more Super Bowls for Al when he was in the forties. No, you know, did he have a great arm? Was he, a, he was a, he had kind of a yeah, rifle yeah. arm, didn't he? Yeah. Plus he was smart. You know, yeah. Which helped. <laughs> Yeah. Now, so. now, you know, we, we, we taught, we, we brought, we came together um, through me sending out a, a request to you for an autograph. And uh, are you surprised that people still want your autograph even after you're, you know, 40 years? You haven't I'm played shocked. football in 40 years and people I'm are still shocked. interested in you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, shocked? I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> do, you get a lot of, do, you, do you get a lot of requests? Uh, you know, I get, I probably get more from Notre Dame than I do in the NFL. Okay. Uh, not much more, but there are some. Um, I'm kind of glad I'm not, not like a Bart star who gets hundreds a month. You know, he used to get hundreds a month, yep. but, um, um, I get, uh, probably an average, maybe 10 a month. Okay. Sometimes do you, more, sometimes less. Do you have any memorabilia from your playing days? Did you keep shirts or, from the teams you played yeah, for? Yeah, helmets I got and... a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Helmets. My, I got to have my original helmet from green Bay. And I show people that and he says, how did you survive? He said, only by the grace of God. Uh, it was a Rydell suspension. And uh, so I was able to, to do that. And then I'm, I was able to take my platform that I had in the NFL in Notre Dame. And I've been in full-time ministry since 1986. And I've been doing prison work and schools. And the last 10 years, I've just been focusing on students in Catholic schools with the message of faith, hope, and encouragement. Because this culture, as you know, is, is, is destroying these young people. Yeah, you know what I, I was gonna I was gonna get to that, and I know you had an interesting story about how you kind of got involved with kids, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. through your daughter. Yeah, my daughter Molly was in seventh grade, and we're a little town outside of Erie, Pennsylvania, and ten or fifteen miles outside of Erie, and right along the lake. Uh, it's a beautiful town. Welch's grape juice was made there. Grapes all over the place. Think you're in Napa Valley, but you had the winter time. And so she was, she came home and just said, you know, what she's been observing in the school and what's happening in community. And, you know, I'm working, I uh, had a investment business I was working in. You know, you do put in those 14, 15 hour days and you've got three kids. I think I had four kids at the time. You have, you have three kids, I can't remember, four kids at the time. And uh, so very, very busy. And uh, so she comes home and just says, dad, you know, here's what's happening. You know, with the pressure she was getting as a seventh grader from some of these eighth grade boys and, and high school kids hitting on her and I said really and then she tells me what's going on with the parties and the drugs and the sexuality in the small town and and you know I said okay it just kind of hit me I said well, you know what can I do about that and it was about that same time I received a phone call from a guy from the NFL chapel who was the unofficial chapel in the NFL Dr. Ari Ashman and he would help coordinate chapel around the league and Carol Dale and Bart Starr got me going to chapel when I was in the NFL because you know I had faith, but I didn't have a relationship. And so I understood the difference between faith and relationship through the NFL chapel. And sure. That, that helped me with my faith. When I opened my heart and asked Christ to come into my life. And uh, so I'm, I'm just, you know, being a dad and a husband and working hard. And uh, she comes home and tells me that. And I said, wow. And then a week later, I get this phone call. And he wants to take former NFL players and former, I think it was the WFL that folded and takes train these pros to go into the schools to combat what he was seeing in the culture of demise. And this is 1986. Okay. So my wife and I prayed about it and uh, I left my job and she got a job as a bank teller and off I went. And um, then, I, then I joined Bill Glass. He used to play in the NFL. He played for the Cleveland Browns and he had an organization called Bill Glass Ministries and he would be doing uh, citywide events like uh, 
Billy Graham would do, but he would do them in smaller towns and in Ohio and Texas and around the country. And then he had a prison ministry. So I got involved with the prison ministry and, and also got involved in training pros. And we also went into schools, public, private, and Catholic. And that was 1991. So I was on that staff for almost 20 years. 2008, we had the downturn. And guess what? Middle management, see you later. You know, <laughs> seven years yeah. on the staff and I was 60 years old. I said, you know, and I just said, you know, God, what do you want me to do? And it became very clear to me just to focus on students in Catholic schools. And that's what I've been doing the last 10, 11 years. And uh, lots of things going on, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Middle school kids now. I'm not talking about high school kids. I'm talking about middle school kids and third, fourth, and fifth graders because they're being affected by what they see on the video games and, uh, you know, decisions determine our destiny, you know, things we put in our mind and our heart, people we hang with and allow to influence us will determine who and what we become. And so I'm, I'm bringing in the element of faith. I'm bringing in the element of, uh, you know, faith is just something to do on Sunday. It's, it's a day-to-day deal. And uh, when you open your heart to Christ and ask him to come into your life, then you have the, his Holy you have the Spirit of God in your heart and it helps you deal with this stuff. It's still hard, you know, because we're still human beings. But uh, yeah, and, you know, then uh, I lost my first wife after 42 years. And uh, Sorry to hear that. Yeah, 2012, 2013. I got remarried in 2015. But, uh, you know, there's still, you know, it's still still difficult. Is it? Um... Uh, without faith, I don't know how people don't, don't do it. Well, they turned to the drugs, they turned to the sex, they turned to all this other stuff. Yeah, I used to I used to prize what the the young kids are are encountering nowadays. Is it different from then what from what the kids like your daughter was accounting in the eighties? Is you know, it's is, this, a little bit the same, but it's more intense now. It's what the high school kids went through in the eighties and early nineties. I'm starting to see in the middle school kids and lower because they've got the internet, they've got the phones. They've got the TikTok, and uh, give you an example. I was in Texas at a big Catholic diocese in Texas, and a seventh grader said that she was bisexual. I mean, how does a seventh grader know that? Right, how do they even know? <laughs> well, they know because they see it. They they've got the movies, they got Disney, they got the books now, and they and they're teaching this stuff. You know, not in the Catholic schools, but they're but they're out there, and their friends are on TikTok and they're on Facebook. And, and so that was a big problem in one of the one of the schools, one of the Catholic grade schools. Is how do you deal with this? And the parents were saying, "Well, she must be bisexual." I said, Come on, you know, seventh grader. Hmm. So a lot of gender dysphoria out there right now. Are the kids are the kids receptive to what you're saying? I mean, you, you know, we obviously, um, you know, you if you came in to talk to me when I was a kid, I'd be awestruck because I'm looking at a former NFL player. Uh, do they do they understand yeah. you, you know your background and, and are they yeah. receptive to you um, yeah, because yeah, of it? because because of the background you know especially in Catholic schools when you tie in Notre Dame and uh, they don't remember you know when I played at Notre Dame but it's Notre Dame it's the NFL then I do the little highlight film I have another highlight film I put together when I when I was in fifth grade I was five foot five 165 pounds and so if this kid played in the NFL you know I never thought I would play in the NFL when I was in grade school or even high school even even college that didn't really think about that you know all of a sudden i said well maybe i can you know but um yeah they are they are very receptive uh, we do comment cards feedback time so we actually we actually connect with the students that way so we ask you know what they think of the program did they open their heart to christ uh getting involved in the book of proverbs which is in the old testament it's a book of wisdom and what's one thing holding you back 
and bingo, that's when it hits. And it's like four or five minutes at the end of the program. And when I was in this large Catholic school system in Dallas, we had, I spoke to about 1500 students in two schools. So I did, I do two programs per school and um, grades three through five is the value and worth, the value and worth of a person through God's eyes because they're all, they're all looking at who am I? And then grades six through 12 is decisions determine our destiny. So I did grades three through five and six, seven, eight at this very large Catholic diocese in Texas and probably had 65 depressions that they put down on their card. Hey, I'm depressed. I feel anxious. Seven suicide notes that came back. Wow. In the, la in the last Sad. 10 years, we've had 405 students indicated that they, that they hate themselves and won't want to be here anymore. They may not use the word suicide. A lot of them do, but you know what they're talking about. So we network back with the schools, with the counselors, follow up with students like that. Big right now is, is addiction to social media. They, they know they're addicted. And uh, the, the, the games, the video games, they're, they're, it's, it's part of that brain. There's been psychological research done that it's yep. part of the brain that's like eating Twinkies for me or having a milkshake. You know, it's that, oh, that feels so good. You know, you want to do it again. And that's, that's what these games do. Yeah, they get these kids addicted and then it's actually a pleasurable part of our brain. And uh, it's like taking a drug and it is a drug in a way. Right. And I'm sure it's hard to combat. Um, just to, just a couple more questions going back sure. to collecting, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time. I know we we kind of shoehorn this in, so I, I appreciate your time too. And it was you know it's a pleasure learning about uh, what you're doing with the kids, uh, guys. You can go check out Mike's uh, website for his ministry, which is McCoy M C C O Y seventy seven dot com, and you can learn all about his uh, ministry and what he's doing, working with uh, kids in Catholic school. You can also learn about um, his career and, and uh, some of the things that, that he uh, he did during his football career Mike um, when you were uh, when you were when you were a kid were you a card collector did you collect baseball cards football cards and that kind of stuff or oh I, yeah I mean you know but we did them what we had we had a game where we could flip the cards against the side of a curb or something yep. like that and whoever got close got the card there's no doubt in my mind I had some great cards in my collection that my mother threw away when I got married ouch that hurts there's no <laughs> doubt I mean I'm looking Mickey Mantle cards back then and some of the great players in baseball and football. And I know I had them because I would chew the gum. You know, we would have, I don't think they do that anymore, but you would. Buy no, no cups. more gum. No more gum. I don't know when that stopped, but I would buy them and I would chew the gum. And I'd say, you know, I got these packs and would keep them and we'd flip them. And uh, yeah. And who knows how many thousands of dollars my mother. <laughs> Luckily, my mother didn't th throw mine away because I would cry. Did you, in your playing days, did you ever go pick up a pack of cards to, you know, to try to get one of your cards? You know, I never did that. I, just... I can't believe that. I, you know, I talked to a lot of former athletes, and I think maybe out of, you know, say I, I talked to a hundred former athletes, I think maybe one or two of them said that they did. I that would have been like the first thing I did. I would have gone yeah. to every supermarket, grocery store, yeah. and bought as many cards as I could <laughs> until I got my own card. And I never thought of getting cards and having my teammates sign it. You know, like Bart Starr, yeah, Dave Robinson, you know, Jerry Kramer, some of these guys, you know, what they'd be worth today. You didn't, you didn't get any autograph, you know, uh, autograph helmets from, from or autograph footballs from the, from your playing days. No, no, I've got one from Notre Dame that we all signed in 66 national championship team. And I've got some game balls, but uh, as far as autograph, I've got one from the 72. Yeah. I've got one in my, in my office, the 72 uh, 
NFC Championship game signed by the 72 team. And that's it. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's it. Yeah. That's now, it. You know, I don't know if it's it was one of these things where everyone signed it or they one one you sign one ball and then they copy it. I, I, I'm not sure if it's original signatures. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right well mike i really appreciate your okay, time Jeff. um if, if i know i gave out your the website it's mccoy mccoy 77.com go check that out mike do you have a um social media account that you know people want to follow you or um reach out to you no no not really i mean i'm talking with a company right now uh that that will do that does that so if i ever get that i'll, I'll let you know but i, I don't have one right now Okay. Do you have a special charity that you want people? They might want to let people uh, know about, or anything that you'd like to promote. Well, you know, Mike McCoy Ministries is a nonprofit organization, so uh, I've, I can't tell you how many cards I've signed. And um, just this last week, somebody put a ten-dollar bill on a thing. I said, "Well, that's pretty nice for a five-dollar bill." You know, I'm not saying I won't sign if no one doesn't donate, but it was it was oh, okay. All right, they understand. Well, I, again, I appreciate the time. It was a pleasure meeting you and learning about your career and learning about all the good work that you do. Um, you know, please send me the send me your videotape because I would love to love to see that. Uh, you know, please keep in touch if you ever need anything. Just let me know. Okay, thanks, Jeff. All right, thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Well, that wraps up another edition of TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM cards autographs collecting and more and more i mean picking the nfl games very badly <laughs> so my name is jeff baker i have been your host of the program and we're joined by by my friend and co-host mr drew pelto drew we finished another show we did yeah really just chugging along here i mean like you said earlier just doesn't feel like it should be uh mid mid-october yet no i know it's you know it's up where, where I am, where I'm up in the Northeast, the, the leaves are turning and it's starting getting a little cooler. And uh, I know you don't get that in Dallas yet. You just, it cools down a little, right? Do, do you get leaves turn, turning there? A little bit, not so much, but I mean, it was actually like 50 degrees out this morning when we, uh, when our groceries got delivered. So it's like, this, this is a shocker because I mean, you know, two months ago it was a hundred degrees instead. So this is, this is a lot better. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I want to, I want to thank you guys for hanging in there and, uh, you know, we, 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 we love, we love your, your feedback and comments. If you want to enter a, our contest for a signed Mike McCoy card, just send us a text line at 978-729-0662 or email us. What's the email address, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. I want to thank uh, Mr. Mike McCoy for joining us. Go check out, it's uh, mccoy77. I'm doing this off top of my head, but it's mccoy 77 com is his uh, ministry website you can learn all more about mike and uh he he uh when i told him how many listeners we had he says geez i don't want to have thousands and thousands of requests so be kind to him please <laughs> i told him he would not get inundated with thousands of requests for ttm requests so be please be kind and if you're going to send a request just send one or two be be thoughtful. You know, he's in his 70s now. So these guys are, you know, he, he signs for free. And if you want to send a donation to his ministry, um, you know, he'll gladly accept that. He was he was shocked. He said he, we were talking about it on the interview that uh, one of the collectors sent him a $10 for the ministry. And he said, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sign for free. But if anyone wants to make, make a donation, that's fantastic. So please be kind 
to Mr. Mike McCoy. He, he's a, uh, truly a gentleman and, and uh, it was a pleasure talking with him. Um, Drew, you got anything big planned for this week? I've got a, a guitar show that I'm going to later today. It's called a Guitarlington, but they've got this huge, uh, all sorts of guitar collectors, guitar dealers, anything like that. But uh, my wife was able to get tickets to that through her uh, connections in the city. And so uh, yeah, I'm just going to go and check that out. I'm not planning on coming home with any new guitars, but... Uh, Oh, we're, we are? Okay, well, we'll keep an eye out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, my wife wants to eventually love, get Wait, a, wait, wait. We would love to get the okay to spend more money. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, by all means, let's let's go ahead and do this. But she really wants to get eventually a uh, resonator guitar, a dobro. So, uh, you know, if we come across one there that's at the right price, then yeah, maybe, maybe we might. So Yeah, uh, you, somebody might twist her arm on that one. She's sitting there going, yeah, maybe, and, and I'm like, yeah. Do you have any games yeah. coming up? You going to, uh, are you a basketball guy? Do you go to the Mavs or? Uh, no, I mean, I might, uh, don't really have anything planned out at all for the near future. Went to a football game last weekend there with, uh, it was Texas Southern versus Southern University. But uh, yeah, don't really have any uh, anything on the horizon upcoming at all. I don't really do a whole lot of basketball at all. I don't do as much hockey as I used to, but if something comes across there, then yeah, we'll I probably will check something out. But yeah, nothing nothing planned at least. All right, well, I'm going to try to catch up in my sleep. Hopefully the Red Sox win tonight. This is sat would be Saturday night. we got baseball coming up. we got more games at Fenway, which is nice, but also it means late nights, right? The Red Sox play play uh, play these long games. Um, and then I've got a couple uh, interviews for the show, so I get some more guests all lined up. So we got a lot, lot of stuff coming up. Tell your friends. Let, you know, if they're into collecting, if they're into autographs, tell them about TTM Cast. We always, we have, giveaways we love we love our listeners um i think that's it anything else before i let you go i can't really think of anything i think we got a got everything pretty well covered all right very cool well that wraps up uh another edition of ttm cast your uh sports collectibles podcast uh and again i'm wishing everyone many happy returns we'll see you next week